never gonna see it again We are exploding, the world is gonna know it We're rocking like you're never gonna see us again Good evening, everyone. It is 10 p.m. We have an extra special edition of Pure Gold. DG here flying solo. JB is in an undisclosed location, hopefully enjoying himself, hopefully not doing anything illegal, but knowing Joe, we can't be sure. As a matter of fact, I think that's him texting me right now to bail him out of jail. Sorry, Joe, I have a show to do. Folks, make sure you check us out every week. Go to our website, puregoldpg.com. Make sure that you give us a call, the number 714-364-4721. Of course, on our website, you can check out our Facebook, our Twitter, and all that other goodness. I can always use a boatload more followers. I think uh, over a thousand is not enough. I want to get to the multiple thousands. I want to get to the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. I want to have so many followers that I won't even know what to do. And it'll get to the point where I can't even respond to any of them because I'll be getting too many mentions. But all that aside, all that Twitter business aside, uh, you know, again, today is a special show. We, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it is myself doing a solo show. This is actually the second time. Well, all right. Technically, this is the only time, first time, long time, that I have done a show all by myself. I did a show once uh, a few months ago. I forget when it was exactly. And I was, quote, unquote, co-hosting. And I, yes, I did the air quotes with uh, Miss Texas Anna Rodriguez. And, you know, Anna, if you've been listening to the show uh, for any length of time, she's been on the show multiple times. In fact, she's usually on for special occasions uh, and whatnot. But uh, Anna helped co-host with me. That's actually back in July because the Dark Knight Rise had just come out, so we were talking about at that point Joe was again on some sort of extended vacation, who knows what. But tonight, I did try to get some co-hosts. Unfortunately, they didn't show up. Unfortunately, uh, you know, I'm, I'm forced to do this show by myself, uh, but looking forward to it as always. I tried to get our guests from last week, folks, and of course there's so many different things going on. Um, I tried getting Nikki Boyer to co-host with me, and for those of you who remember, the last show that we did, which was exactly two weeks ago, back in Newark, our first show over on 1640 AM Ironbound Radio. Today, I am not in the studio. I am in my private studio, as it were, but not over there in Newark. So I'll be, we'll be tuning in next week from, from Newark, of course. We're going to have our special guest, Miss New Jersey, Brielle LaCosta. You know, we're going to be doing quite a bit on Hurricane Sandy and just things that she's done in her time. She was last year's Miss New Jersey, and of course we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. But I have a feeling that a lot of the show will be dedicated to Hurricane Sandy and the aftermath and, you know, what's happened, what's still happening, of course, here in, in the New Jersey and the tri-state area. We're being hit with an awful snowstorm, a snowstorm straight from the pit of hell. So it's making the, the rescue, the, the search and rescue, the, uh, you know, as it were, uh, that's my way of saying the cleanup. It's making the whole cleanup, you know, situation, trying to get people out of the, the mess with no power. I mean, there are people who have literally had no power since last Monday. I was out of power from Monday at 6.30 p.m. until this Monday, two days ago, at 6 p.m. So basically eight entire days, literally uh, without any power, which, of course, is difficult. I was staying over at a friend's house who, you know, some of you may know this person, but I, I won't get into that right now. Um, that was uncomfortable, you know, staying over there, being, uh, quote-unquote, homeless for a while. Not fun. I also ended up staying at my sister's house uh, one of the nights, and then the next night the power came back, so that was fun. 
Um, it's good to be back in the uh, in the saddle, as it were, back home. So you know that nothing nothing was damaged, nothing major happened. I know a lot of people lost their homes, a lot of people lost everything. You know, it's a shame. Uh, people that I know, you know, you hear the things on the news, all these different stories, and it was it was tough all around. Hurricane Sandy hit this area hard, and now with this snowstorm, it just doesn't make anything better. It's going to be snow, wind, hay, all kinds of stuff, which makes the uh, the cleanup that much more difficult. In fact, I heard that if the winds go over 45 miles an hour, then the the crews have to stop, which, of course, is it's not good because it, it keeps them from doing their job. It keeps them from helping those unfortunate people who don't have power, and, and many of them who are just suffering right now uh, you know, immensely, and it's just it's just a crazy situation. And of course, we had our wonderful election yesterday. Um, sadly, very sadly, uh, the you know we have the 45th president of the United States will be in office for another four years. That is not fun. Um, you know, we're just it's just a mess. It's an absolute mess, folks, that this country is in. I will get back to that in a second. Um, you know, I wanted to go back to the whole co-hosting thing. I just so many different things going on, so many different things to talk about. Um, as I mentioned, knowing that I was going to do the show solo, uh, the reason that I'm even doing it is because I didn't want there to be a three-week gap in between shows. With Hurricane Sandy hitting us hard last week, and of course being Halloween, you know, we were planning on doing a late show. We were going to do a 10 p.m. show last Wednesday, but I had no power. Joe had no power. Uh, you know, just totally hit hard by the storm, so the show got canceled. You know, we had a record number of listens for the Nikki Boyer interview. I mean, that I'm telling you, we we have for that interview, we have almost doubled. Actually, yeah, we've we've more than doubled the amount of listens for any show that one show got, which Nikki just I mean, she was a great guest. We loved having her on. She did an amazing job, but apparently she's also very popular because that, you know, the response to that episode has been amazing. So that is part of the reason why I tried to get Nikki on the show, and she she was very flattered by the offer. She wanted to come on and to co-host with me, and she told me if I ever need her, I'd let her know in the future. But she has a shoot going on uh, of some sort, promo shoot, where she's going to be busy until later on in the evening. And, of course, her being on the left coast, it's, it's you know, 1 o'clock in the morning pretty much. It's our mind time, she'll be done, so that obviously wasn't going to work. But, you know, we tried getting her on. And I also tried getting on Miss... Arizona, USA, 2011, the uh, incomparable Brittany Dawn Brannon, who is uh, very conservative, uh, you know, such as myself, and we had her on a couple weeks back, and she was talking about the election, and Mitt Romney, and, you know, she had touched on the whole topic of abortion, and how passionate she was about it, so I wanted to get her on the show, but her response to me was actually something in the neighborhood of, she's so upset, and she's just, she was crying, I mean, literally, she really took this hard, and she told me that she, you know, she didn't think that it would be a good time to come on, and she, she wasn't able to, as it were. So, you know, I respect that. I respect her, her strong feelings about the election yesterday, and I, I respect her immensely. So, you know, I figured, well, I mean, it would have been great to have her on. You know, much, much better to have one of these lovely ladies on the show co-hosting with me than Joe. You know, the ratings will be through the roof because, you know, let's face it, folks, Joe's not much to look at, but that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, with these with these wonderful people, they they weren't able to because of scheduling conflicts and other types of things. So, you know, emotional uh, issues, as it were. So, hopefully, we'll be back next week and everything will be normal. Uh, Joe will be you know rested off his vacation, as it were, and uh, we'll be ready to kick things into gear in Newark. I've I've been in touch with Nelson, and I'm I'm pretty sure the station does have power back again, but I think he still doesn't have power, you know, in his own home. So that definitely is. 
is a bit of a pain for him. You know, it's it's been it's been a rough rough week, folks. And you know, many of you listening across the country, you know, this this part of the country really was hit hard. And it's something that we're not used to because you know we don't get earthquakes, we don't get those types of things that you know California gets earthquakes seemingly all the time. Florida gets tropical storms, hurricanes. I mean, you know, you name it, Florida gets it. So they're used to the rebuilding process. Here in New Jersey, we're not used to those things. You know, we're not used to having those uh, those difficult times uh, upon us. And we we do, you know, unfortunately, we know what that is now. Not to say that uh, it, to make light of any situation where other people deal with it, but just not being used to it here, it's just it's tough. It's been a tough tough week. And again, thank God that nothing happened to me or my family. My mom had power. My dad had missed power for about a day. My mother-in-law had power. So, you know, that, that's the important thing. We were able to keep the baby warm and safe and all that other goodness. So um happy about that, of course. And, um, you know, so many things going on in this state, in the state of New Jersey. We we had an incident that I guess, I, you know, I'll just kind of dive into the politics, uh, you know, as it were. At this point, we had Governor Christie, you know, obviously dealing with a state of emergency with so many people losing their power, and the state was pretty much a complete disaster area. You know, Chris Christie is, is popular with some people. Um, he's not popular with the unions, of course, which we I discussed privately and off the air. But, you know, he is popular with many with many voters, and he's catching a lot of flack. And I mean a lot. I heard, you know, the and Mark Levin touched on it. You know, the, I wanted to hear, after the election, I wanted to hear what the, the heavyweights in the Republican uh, Party in terms of talk radio were, were, were discussing. I listened to Rush Limbaugh today. I listened to Sean Hannity. I listened to Mark Levin. And uh, just to kind of get a sense of feeling, and, and uh, Coulter was on with Hannity for a little bit. I wanted to hear what the recognizable names. I didn't get a chance to hear Bill O'Reilly, but, you know, my wife told me a little bit about what he said. And, uh, you know, so many different interesting uh, aspects to touch on when it comes to that. But what kind of, I guess, baffled me, and I, I don't, I definitely am not in agreement with my, uh, you know, Republican brethren, as it were, when it comes to this. Chris Christie, and I'm looking at Twitter right now to kind of keep a tabs of what's going on. I, I see his, he's got the little green check mark. He has 295,000 people. Um, he's, you know, he's the 55th governor of New Jersey. He's a husband and proud father of four, working to bring real reform to the Garden State. Thank you very much, Chris. But, by the way, what, who names their kid? Your last name is Christie. You name your son Chris. Weird. I just think that's an odd thing. But that's just me. Uh, getting back to reality, though, you know, he has received a lot of flack from the Republicans, the, uh, you know, many uh, many of his colleagues in the, in the GOP, and, of course, those who would consider themselves either conservative or Republican commentators because he had this whole thing about him embracing Obama and him, you know, kind of snuggling up to him, as it were. Somebody was talking about them, you know, <laughs> lip-locking and all kinds of other nonsense. But I'm I'm on the other side of the fence. What was the governor supposed to do? What is Chris Christie supposed to do? Is he supposed to shun, as the, as the Amish do? Yeah. Is he supposed to shun President Obama when he comes on here? Yeah, I mean, was Obama here for a photo op? Absolutely. It's his job as president to do these types of things, and he'll be doing them for four more years. Uh, that and, of course, blaming George Bush, but I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. So what is Chris Christie supposed to do? Is he supposed to reject Obama? Is he supposed to say, yeah, I don't want your help? I, you know, he said it. He wasn't concerned, and I love this answer. He wasn't concerned with the the election at the time. He didn't care about the election. He had a state in, in a disarray that he had to focus on. And to me, that's the kind of politician that you, you like. You like to hear that. You like to hear guys who are making things happen. You like to hear guys who are shooting from the hip. And Christie seems to be that kind of guy. 
course, every politician in their own way, shape, or form is full of baloney, but, you know, some much more so than others. So my whole thing is, what was he supposed to do? Of course, he's standing with President Obama. Of course, he's, you know, Obama's play, is pledging aid, and he's standing there and doing his thing, and Christie is supposed to just sit there and talk to him and, uh, you know, try to work, reach across the aisle. I mean, I don't see how there's any other choice. At that point, you got to put partisan politics aside, and you have to worry about your state. You know, you got to worry about, and of course, New Jersey being the most densely populated state. I mean, it's you know, there's a lot of revenue and stuff that comes from here. It's an important state. Not that any state isn't important, but of course the president was going to show up here. Of course he's going to show his face. And again, photo op or not, he came and he saw and he, you know, hugged some people and did some things. And, you know, I heard a lot of the people for the exit polling were saying a big part of the reason why they helped or helped Obama get reelected and voted for him is because of how he dealt with Hurricane Sandy. Now, this part... This is the part that baffles me. What exactly has he done? I mean, the gas the gas lines have gone down now. Another, another nightmare, by the way, trying to get gas for you know the first few days, basically the first entire week. It was a nightmare. Now it's kind of settled down a bit because they have the odd even system in place, and you know they had restrictions for a bit and rationing, et cetera, et cetera. But you know it seems like more gas stations are getting gas. I've seen more gas trucks out there, and more people are getting, uh, you know, able to do it. You know, the lines are shorter, of course, and that's always a plus. I'm just hoping things will go back to normal. But, you know, I mean, it, it seemed like the stuff wasn't coming. It seems like the aid wasn't coming. And I heard Governor Cuomo talk about all these ba- millions of barrels of oil going to New York Harbor. But, I mean, again, I've heard the New York lines are still crazy. So uh, you don't know who to believe when it comes to politics or who says what or what the case is. So it's definitely not an easy time you know, when you're dealing with a with a crisis, when you're dealing with this type of state of emergency, it's just it's not easy. It's tough to do. So, you know, here's hoping that there there will be some change in the next four years. I don't think that there will be, but of course, it's you know, it is what it is. And he, here we are. The nation has elected. They have spoken. They have their new president. We have our new president. Whether you voted for the guy or not, he is the same guy in office. You know, four more years, as it were. So of course uh, we'll see we'll see what happens to here, uh, you know from here on in. Now I know Joe had mentioned to me that there was a possibility that he might call in, but I wanted to break this up a little bit. I have a couple of sound bites here from my co-host. This, this way at least he can get him on the show in some way, shape or form. I mean again the show is much better without him, but uh, here's one we have of course to and I'm going to go back to politics in a minute, but I just kind of wanted to, to throw a couple of yucks in there. The Jets had a bye week this week, and I read a great comment about how the Jets, you know, lost to the bye week, et cetera, et cetera. But if we were talking Jets, if we were talking about them losing another game, this is the type of stuff that you would hear from my co-host. In case you didn't hear that again, let's lower let's lower the sound audio a little bit and play it one more time. One more time for your mind. That's right. That is Joe screaming at the Jets, his anger, his rage. Of course, uh, you know, we we had spoken about getting a couple of sound bites and stuff on the show, but this show to me is one of my absolute favorites. Now, I would say this, uh, considering what happened last night, I think that Joe, this, this is Joe's take on the election. Shame on you! Let, let, let's hear that one more time. America, this is Joe B., 
telling you what he thinks of your choice on the election night. Shame on you. Absolutely. Shame on you. I agree, Joe. And here's here's another one. Uh, if you could substitute the word Woody Johnson for, uh, you know, Barack Obama, this is what Joe would say to the constituents who voted in, the people who voted in Barack Hussein Obama for the second term. Stop smoking the Woody Johnson crack pipe. <laughs> My partner at his absolute worst. Now, the interesting thing about this whole, you know, these, these little, these, these cute little sound bites that we're playing is that, you know, Joe, again, <laughs> Joe, of course, knows what's going on. He knows the deal. But, um, you know, I would say the Republican Party, what they needed to do last night is uh, a, little, a, little, a little something like this. Yes, they had to show some guts, and I would say that what what myself, my co-host, what we're trying to convey here this evening is this is how we feel about the American people. You make us all sick. Absolutely sick to our stomachs. I'm very saddened. I'm very. Just, I, I'm telling you, I don't even know. I don't even know how to say it. Words can't describe how I feel about the fact that Barack Obama is president again for four more years. I mean, it goes to show this country is going to hell in a handbasket. And what baffles me, what amazes me, I mean, let's put it this way, folks. The next four years are going to be a lot like this. One more time if you didn't get it. That is right, folks. Sound the alarm. America is in trouble. Now, why do I say that? What baffles me about last night, and, you know, did did I love Mitt Romney? Absolutely not. Did I think he was the greatest choice ever? No. I mean, I did vote for him. I figure it's the lesser of two evils, as it were. Uh, There's no way I would have voted for Obama, and I've pretty much my whole life stayed away from voting Democrat, uh, much to my father's dismay, but that's neither here nor there. When I look at the overall picture of the United States, the economy is in shambles. The economy is, is an absolute wreck. And, you know, the nation is divided. It's just nobody seems to know where they're going. But things have, the unemployment is, is at an all-time high. Our deficit is at an all-time high. In a couple of years, China's going to completely own this country. Uh, and what I don't get is how do the American people say, well, Barack Obama's doing a good job. He's not doing a good job. What baffles me is that he spent the last few years blaming George Bush for everything. What's he going to do in the next four? Continue to blame George Bush? I mean, is he going to start blaming George Bush Sr.? Is he going to start saying, George Herbert Walker Bush, this is your fault? You know, is he going to start blaming Ronald Reagan? I mean, I don't know where this guy's going to go for blame next. I don't know what the deal is, but the truth is Obama has gotten nothing done. He has not been a good president. He has not been uh, an effective leader. And, you know, the people decided, hey, let's do it again for four more years. I really thought Romney was going to win. Uh, you know, I did call it that way, but, man, it was looking grim from the out, out set, on the outset, as it were. And, you know, here we are. Going into the presidency, you know, the the election last night, of course, with everything going on in this area, still made time to, to vote. But when I look at the results, a few things pop into my mind. As I mentioned to you earlier, I was listening to Rush Limbaugh in the afternoon, and he made he made an interesting point. And it makes me think, what can the GOP do to regroup in the next four years? 
I mean, obviously, in two years, there's the midterm elections, you know, for the House of Representatives, Senate, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see. Hopefully, the balance of power won't shift back completely to the Democrats. As anyone who knows anything about politics, the the uh, majority, excuse me, the party that is not in office needs to have, just for there to be some sort of balance, there needs to be a majority in in, in the minority. You have to have at least, uh, you know, 61, I believe it is, if not 61 or 51, I, I forget right now. But you have to have that magical number of people, uh, your representatives on your side of the party to filibuster. So the filibuster is when a law is about to be passed, you have the ability to block it with all your votes. But, of course, you have the ability to people to cross party lines, et cetera, et cetera. For the most part, most people do vote upon their, you know, on their party lines, which is a big part of the reason why the country is so screwed up. But aside from that, you know, you need that in the in the Senate, so that's important. And, of course, um, when you don't have that, which is what we had in the first two years when Obama was president, nothing got done anyway. So it's just it's just one of those things that, you know, where, where is this country going? Who knows? Only God knows. And I think it's going right down the toilet, straight to hell. We'll, we'll find out soon enough. But, what, again, what can the GOP do to regroup in four years? The issue that the, the Republican Party has is that they do not get the Hispanic and black vote. Now, obviously, I'm Hispanic, so you're going to say, oh, you know, well, this guy, what is he, does he know what he's talking about? For the most part, you think of, uh, and this is no racism involved, uh, anything I'm about to say, when you think of the Republican Party, you think of old white men. That is the bottom line. You don't think of, you know, younger Hispanic men such as myself who only vote Republican. Um is there is there a way that they can get the black and Hispanic vote? Rush made a point. He said, "How is it that these groups see you know the the people in, in the party? When you look at someone who's successful like a Marco Rubio, and uh, somebody I know suggested that he be the one to run for president in, in four years. More on that in a second. You have a guy like him who's Hispanic. Then of course you have uh, Condoleezza Rice, who's a great example. She was you know in the the Bush administration for all eight years. Um, you know she's someone who." She's someone who is is a prominent African American. Now, how do the and I, the funny thing about that whole African American number is that some some of them are Jamaican, some of them aren't even from Africa, or don't claim Africa. But of course, not to be racist, you have to call them African American. So when it comes to that vote, that segment of society, how do they see Condoleezza Rice? Do they see her as a sellout to the party, to their party? Because for the most part, when you think of the Hispanic, uh, the blacks, they're Democrats. Most of them are Democrat. For whatever reason, I have no clue. Um, it's always baffled me that the African American culture is very religious, and many of them, you know, evangelicals and whatnot, but also Democrat. Makes no sense. So it seems, and this is the part that frustrates me. Since I'll touch on it, let me go. The fact that so many Christians are out there, so many, you know, evangelical Christians, Bible believing Christians, et cetera, et cetera, these folks are not are voting Democrat or voting, you know, for someone like President Obama who supports gay rights, which is anti-biblical. No matter how you cut it, no matter how you slice it, if you want to say you're not voting based on your religion, then you know what? Your religion doesn't mean anything to you. Simple as that. Or you have a you 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 have a problem in terms of setting your priorities. Now, as a Christian, you should look at this and say, well, gay rights is against the Bible. Regardless of your friend, your cousin, your uncle, your sister, it's against the Bible. Now, also, abortion. No matter how you slice abortion, it's murder. No Christian should ever look at abortion and say, well, you know, it's my right to choose. It's not your right to choose. Is it your body? Technically, yes, but technically, no, because there's another person living inside of you. It's a human being from the moment of conception. Nobody says, well, you spent nine months in the womb, ten months in the womb, but you were only a human for six months. No, you're a human the entire time. You know, the Bible talks about how 
God had you conceived in his mind before you were born, before your parents were even born. God knew you, which, of course, it comes from the book of Jeremiah, which, of course, is a big part of the reason why many Christians are anti-abortion, because the Bible clearly shows you that God you know, loved you since before the foundations of the earth, etc., etc. But the point I'm trying to make here, how do you vote based on, well, you know, the economy this, or, you know, well, uh, you know, he's doing a good job at that, and he's helping this community. Why, why are your religious values not important? Why don't they mean anything? If you're not religious, then, you know, what can I say? That, that doesn't affect you. But how is it that you can say, you know, you believe in the Bible, say you believe it's God's Word, and say, you know, you want to teach people about the Word, et cetera, et cetera, but then go on and say, well, this doesn't matter. I'm voting for Obama because I like him or because he's black or because the other guys are whatever. I, you know, I've heard some interesting things, and people have said different things to me, and just, you know, a lot of it nonsense. I read some stuff on Facebook today that really just, disgust me, but it baffles my mind how you can quote scripture, you can quote these things and then not vote according to what the Bible says. Totally don't get it. If it's not important to you, fine, but if you claim that it is, prove that it is. And again, not that Mitt Romney was the greatest candidate ever, but absolutely when you look at the track record, or specifically when you look on the, the platform that he was running on, much you know, much safer bet when it comes to the uh, religious aspect of it. So then there's that um, huge thing for me. But when you look at the at the issue of the the party, when you don't get the Hispanic vote, when you absolutely almost landslide, pretty much 90-something percent, according to the polls, um, African-Americans voted for Barack Obama, there's something missing there. My question is, do the blacks see Condoleezza Rice as the token black in the party? Do they see Marco Rubio as one of the token Hispanics in the party? You know, when, when you look at those two uh, specifically, who are stars, the Rubio being a star, even Paul Ryan, who, you know, again, going back to the whole white issue, he's he's not, um, you know, he's not a the Hispanic, he's not a quote-unquote, uh, you know, a minority. But, you know, the, these guys who are the, the stars of, of their party, when you look at, um, when you look at this whole, this whole equation, you guys say, you know, Susana Martinez, who is another one who was, of course, at the uh, Latina, at the Republican uh National Convention and another person who's seen as a big ticket. You know, maybe you'll see an all-Hispanic ticket in four years of Marco Rubio going for the presidency and Susana Martinez, you know, Susana Martinez going in as the the VP. Who knows? Or maybe, you know, you'll get someone else, uh, you know, an African-American on, on that side. I mean, there's so many different things that the, the party needs to do, but they need to make – they need to do something so that the Hispanics don't think, well, there's no Hispanics, and they're racist, and they don't like Hispanics, and they want to kick us out of the country, and, you know, they hate illegals, et cetera, et cetera, which is a big uh, sticking point for many Hispanics. But then when you look at the black part, you got to have those faces out there so people can see, even if they're not necessarily running for office. But if they did, you know, I mean, how many more votes may Mitt Romney have gotten if Marco Rubio was his running mate, or even, uh, you know, Martinez or Condoleezza Rice? How many more votes may they have gotten? Who knows? Obviously, time will tell, history will dictate. But in four years, the Republican Party needs to do something because they need some changes. They need to do uh, what complete – I mean, I wouldn't say a 180, but they need to get back to being more conservative, as it were. But they also need to have good, solid people at the front and, uh, you know, that folks can identify with. You know, I thought the independent vote would go to Romney. It didn't. It went back to Obama, a lot of them. A lot, of, a lot less people also voted, so – you know the uh, the election was just one big cluster. 
it's one big mess for the uh, for the Republicans and Democrats, of course, being happy. I, but I just don't see trying to be as objective as possible. How anybody can look at this country, say we're in good shape, and say that President Obama has done a good job. And for those who buy into the four years of Bush and you know Bush did this and uh, blame Bush for four years, who, again, who is he going to blame now for the next four years? How much more debt are we going to incur? You know, I mean, I'm, I know that I'm not going to be eating my words. I know one day I'm not going to look back and say, "Wow, Barack Obama did a great job in his eight years as office in, in office as president," and those last four years, oh baby, that that they were awesome. I'm probably going to sit there and say, "Well, I was right, and you know, those other people were wrong." And you know, I'd gladly be wrong if it meant that the country would be in a better position, but I just don't see it. I'm telling you, folks, this this place, this country, America, is going to hell in a handbasket. And again, I know that many of you may say, well, you know, the, the gay marriage thing isn't a big issue to me, or uh, uh, woman's right to choose isn't a big issue for me. But even when you look at the economy, how can you say he's done a good job, and how can people buy into the well, – because if you look at that, then that's saying, well, the, the economy was at this point, so, you know, this person – this person blames, you know, this person. The person who was in front of before me, he's the reason that I can't do anything. He's the reason why the economy is in this mess. So, you know, I need four more years. Obama himself said, if I don't get it done in four years, don't reelect me. But what did the American people do? They didn't even listen to the people, that, to the guy who, that they, who they reelected, which, of course, is baffling to me. But that's neither here nor there. Um, as we close out this uh, this first half hour, uh, I'm gonna go to break, and you know we do have a a guest who who's gonna be hopping on soon. Um, you know we're gonna go to a little break here, and we'll be right back with our guest. So folks, stay tuned, stick around, do not go anywhere. This is pure gold. Hey everyone, this is Brittany Don Brandon, Miss Arizona USA 2011. And Pure Gold is the best show on the radio. So make sure you tune in, check out the latest in entertainment, news, and sports. Hey, this is Blanca from Group One Crew, and you're listening to Pure Gold. Hey, everybody, it's Nikki Boyer from Yahoo's Daytime and No Time. And don't forget to check out Pure Gold every single week for amazing guest interviews and pretty entertaining radio, I have to say. You guys are awesome. That is probably my absolute favorite clip. And it's funny because I, I, I did this on purpose. The two women who were possibly going to be my co-hosts for the evening actually just played clips from them, Brittany Brandon and uh, Nikki Boyer. But I love that little you guys are awesome that she threw in there at the end. And as we move on to our next segment, here's another favorite of the show. Now it's time for some entertainment talk here on Pure Gold. Folks, joining me this evening is Amanda Guerrero, no relation to Eddie Guerrero, all-time famous wrestler. She has a uh, website, an entertainment website, and uh, you know we're going to be talking to her for a few minutes about that. Amanda, how are you doing this evening? Good. Thank you so much for having me on. No, thank you so much for joining us. I know it's uh, late in the uh, evening, as it were, here on the, the East Coast. Um, but, you know, Amanda... You have your website, and uh, I was looking at Twitter before just to make sure that I get it right, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it is humorandspice.blogspot.com. That is correct. That's exactly where it is. <laughs> okay, well, now, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your website. Well, um, I'm actually just a, a regular viewer of all these shows, all these reality shows, and I just figured um, in 2010 that I would start to kind of have an outlet for 
all my opinions and stuff about these shows because really I didn't have a lot of people watching the same shows as me. And I had gotten into Twitter pretty pretty seriously in, like, 2009. So I already had, like, those people to kind of bounce things off of. And so I figured, you know what, let me just take this opportunity to, to make myself an outlet and start a blog. And I've gotten a really good response, and I'm really happy that um, people are liking it. Now, when you say good response, what does that mean exactly? Give me Give me an idea. Well, I say good response in the sense of volume. Um, right. I get I I don't allow uh, comments on the blog itself just because I want to know that I can talk to the people so I make sure that they tweet me so you oh. can't comment on my blog but I make sure to link my Twitter so if you do have something to say to me or if you do have an opinion or if you agree or disagree you pretty much have to tweet me and that way I can actually tweet you back and have a dialogue with you. Um, so when I say good response, I'm talking about just, like, the numbers, you know, just, like, having different people come at me, either good or bad. I've had everything from, you know, I love your blog, I think you're so funny, or, you know, I don't agree with you, but I think, you know, you make some good points, all the way to the other side of the extreme where um, I actually had somebody say, um, now that I've read your blog, I'm going to print it out and uh, have my dog poop on it. <laughs> so it's been, it's been uh, pretty much one extreme to the other, but I'm just happy that people are, are reading it and, and enjoying it or hating it, either way. Wow, that's, that's, <laughs> I can't believe somebody actually told you that they wanted to print it up and have their dog take a dump on it. That That's crazy. And that's absolutely what she said, and I said, well, hey, I hope your dog enjoys it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, <about laughs> well that's, that's definitely a good response, and actually, that's, of course, how I came about you. I, I don't even know when, where, how. It's been a long time that we've been following each other on Twitter and, you know, having our, uh, you know, conversations, as it were. Um, but, you know, I, I see you do have quite a bit of uh, followers, as as it were. And, you know, you get feedback. Tell me about some of the positive feedback that you've gotten. Well, the great thing is, like I said, the dialogue that that we have. And it's funny because Housewives fans and reality show fans, but mostly Housewives fans, they're very, very vivacious. They're very vocal. And so um, depending on what I write, because basically what I do is I don't do a recap of the show. We all watch the show. Um, I'm taking it for granted that everybody knows what happened. What I do is I actually run down each cast member and give them a grade for the week. So if somebody, you know, did exactly what I would do in a situation or I understand where they're coming from, they might get an A or a B. If somebody was totally out of line and was a total um, – <laughs> Jackass, sorry, I hope I can say that. Um, <laughs> if they were totally rude and, and mean or whatever, then they could get an S. And then I always give an explanation of why I'm giving them that grade. So um, a lot of times people will say, like, oh, that, that you know, she wasn't wrong for doing that, or, um, yes, you're totally right, you know, that was totally wrong what she did. It's just basically a dialogue that, that goes back and forth. And then sometimes I even get response from the cast members themselves. So that's oh, really, really fun where we can, yeah, absolutely. I've heard from Aviva Drescher. She's on uh, Housewives in New York, and she was very, very nice to me, and she said she loved the blog, even though I kind of chastised her a little bit for some things that she did on the show. She said, you know, I totally understand, and, um, you know, I, I love the blog. I also had Kathy Wakile from um, Housewives in New Jersey say that she thought the blog was funny. Um, just different people like that have really um, come through and, and said really nice things about the blog, so I I appreciate that a lot. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I, I know 
one of the people that I, I don't know if, if uh, forgive me if, if I'm incorrect on this. Of course, you'll you'll correct me. But didn't one of the housewives, uh, Dina Monzo, I, if I'm I thought I've seen some like back and forth with you and her on Twitter. Uh, Dina Manzo, I have not had too much contact with. Um, Kathy, Kathy Wakili has always been really um, supportive of me. Um, I think she she would retweet my my blog all the time when when Housewives of New Jersey was was um, was airing. Um, the season's over now, but right. um, she's always been really supportive. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Aviva's the other you know one recently. Um, right, right. Maybe right. Dina, maybe Dina Manzo in the past, but not not recently. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I thought just looking at some stuff and and looking at tweets. And again, I'm not familiar. <laughs> I'm not familiar. I know what the Real Housewives of you know, you know, sloppy jalopy, whatever town you want to think of. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, parts unknown. You know, Arizona. Like I, I know that there's different housewives. What's always boggled my mind is why people watch this stuff. To me, it's complete garbage. And my wife has seen it. You know, I, I don't even want to go there. But, um, you know, she's seen some of the shows. And, you know, I've seen the uh, what, that thing that they do at the end of the season where everybody sits down in the chairs and the uh, couches. The reunions. And talking about, yes, yes. The infamous that, reunions, yes. That mess. Um, and I look at that, and I'm like, I don't get, I don't get why people are – first of all, these women, they don't do anything, so – Housewives of what I don't know because they happen to be married and have children and they have a home. I just don't understand what the fascination is. I know it's a lot of his drama. A lot of it is just you know women catfights, et cetera, et cetera. Problems with husbands, blah blah blah. But explain to me. You you we used the word subculture when we spoke in off the air. Explain that to me because it truly and utterly baffles me that people find this entertaining. I would love to explain it. It, it. And what's funny is it's really a study in, in human behavior. And when you look at it like that, it's almost like a sociology experiment. It's it's almost fascinating in that sense. So um, a lot of times they're not married, um, and that's well, pretty much a running joke on the show is that a lot of these women aren't married, um, but they get the title of housewife because they're a cast member on a show. And basically where the show came from is Bravo was doing uh, pretty much a ripoff of Desperate Housewives. And they did it in Orange County. And Desperate right, right. Housewives at the time was a huge, huge hit. Well, Bravo, you know, wasn't as popular as it is now back then. And so they decided, well, hey, let's just, you know, pull pull this out. And, hey, we won't, you know, pay actresses. We'll just have these women just, you know, interact with each other like they always do. And I'm a woman, and I have female friends. And mm-hmm. the dynamics are always changing. And, um, you know, I, I can really say that, you know, sometimes there is drama and sometimes there is tension and sometimes, you know, there's really uplifting and, and positive moments in real life. So imagine when you put a group of girls um, that maybe are friends and maybe are not friends in a situation where they have to interact with each other and sometimes they have they have history, sometimes they don't, sometimes they click, sometimes they don't. And it's, it's more the drama and the um, interaction that really gets to you, and you identify with some of them. You identify with some of them more than others, but you identify with all of them in a sense, and so then you become personally invested in what happens to them. And sometimes we see them through really, really hard situations, you know, that their their kids go to college and, you know, they're, they're empty nesters now, or, you know, they end up getting a divorce, or they end up finding love and getting married, and it's kind of like a soap opera, but we're watching their real life, and that that makes it a little bit more personal. 
Right. I guess about what gets me about reality TV in general, any kind of reality TV. And like right now, I'm watching Breaking Amish with my with my wife, and uh, you know, at the end, we watched the next to last episode of that show. And my wife was like, oh, this is getting so lame. There's so much drama. Like, that's the whole point of the show. I get it. But at the same time, like, where they get these ideas? Like, who thought, let me get a bunch of Amish kids, get them shunned from their community, take them out of there, give them a chance at, you know, a quote-unquote regular life to see, you know, the living like the English, as they call it. That, that, that's what we are uh-huh. in the English. Um, and then they have this drama, and they're fighting, and, you know, one of the girls is uh, is – super overly dramatic and the other girl's super overly dramatic and these two are hooking up and then you know they come back to their Amish lives and they're not together all this stuff and I sit there and I'm just like the reason it fascinates me is from a religious aspect because of course you know the Amish uh, you know very strict when it comes to their beliefs in the Bible and et cetera et cetera which that aspect of the whole show fascinates me the way they'll use uh, scriptures and throw it out there you know out of context but they'll do it in a way where it just kind of gets you to, to see like when they're sinning they'll have you know a verse that talks about sinning and being you know uh, the Lord being upset with you or whatever the case is so that that I find interesting but you know the, the stuff that happens on these shows. Just people sit there and people love them, and of course I, I get that that's a big part of your blog, which is why I wanted you on to kind of uh, you know give your side the opposite side because you know you're this entertains you and you're interested in it, and of course other people who interact with you and the people who go on your blog you know really find it fascinating. Me as a guy, we don't we don't have that type of. I know some men can be dramatic depending on what show you watch or depending on what guy. But for the most part, my guy friends, we're very low-key. We're very cool. We don't have drama. We don't have issues. We don't have problems. The only time that we've had problems is when, you know, there have been women involved. But when the guys get together, <laughs> guys are just cool. Guys are cool. They're calm. They, You know, for the most part, they just let things slide. They're not bothered by stuff, whereas women tend to be, you know, a lot of them tend to be the opposite. And, again, you talked about the cat fighting and stuff like that. So it's just interesting. And I'm, I'm curious what the breakdown would be in the demographics. Like, how many men watch these shows secretly? Or is it really just almost entirely women? Like, you watch uh, Tamar and Vince, you mentioned to me, correct? Correct. Yeah, and you, uh, the Braxton Family Values, that show my wife would watch that show. The only reason I know about Tamar and Vince is because Braxton Family Values. And I look at that and I'm like, you know, <laughs> Where's the fascination? I don't get like I think Tony Braxton is super talented and a great singer, but like her family, you know, they're fighting and all this crazy stuff going on. I'm just like, I'm like somebody save me from this. And of course, this is where you come in, because um, again, you have watched these shows and you've watched Tamar and Vince. And tell me, when you watch that, what's the appeal to a show like that? Well, I think well, first of all, if if you're and this is for all the guys. If your girlfriend or, or wife enjoys these type of shows, you will get major points for sitting through an episode. I will tell you that right now. Uh, so try it. Just try it, and, and you know, maybe if the the, uh, the drama doesn't appeal to you, but you know, it's kind of a nice, um, you know, like a, you know, when a girl watches a football game with her her boyfriend or her husband, it's kind of a give and take. But I will I will touch on the uh, the drama factor. Um, the drama factor, I think. It intensifies, obviously, when people realize that they have a camera on them. The other thing that I've noticed is a lot of these cast members, and I don't condone this and I don't like this, but they turn it up a notch because they want to stay on the show. So right. a good example a good example would be, like, on The Housewives, if somebody comes on way too strong, I, I just 
uh, posted a blog today about Housewives of Atlanta. It started on Sunday. I posted the blog uh, post today about uh, Atlanta Housewives. This new cast member, Kenya, um, came on way too strong, was totally disrespectful, and every response that I've got from the blog says, yes, you're absolutely right, we don't like her behavior. So it's a, it's kind of... It's kind of like I said. It's kind of like a sociology project. It's kind of like a a social, um, you know, little petri dish, if you will. And it's kind of just to see this um, this other world, this other place that you have never been before, or maybe you you're you know you've been there but you haven't interacted with these people before. And so you see um, their interactions with each other, and it's it's interesting to see how people react to different things, and then. To, to look at it and say, well, you know, this wasn't right, or you know what, I agree with her. And like I said, you you sort of um, become invested in them because you can relate to them, or you become invested in it because you're just totally shocked about how they're behaving. And then you're able to turn around and say, oh, my God, I would never do that. What is she <laughs> thinking? This is crazy. Right. And it kind of is, it is a little bit of... Um, a, a little bit of, uh, you know, taking your own life and kind of putting it to the side and entering a different uh, reality. And and that's what it is. And, and it is an escape for a lot of people. Um, you know, I'll be honest, I have an 8 to 5 Monday through Friday job. This whole blog and the whole reality shows and blogging about them and tweeting about them is kind of my little escape from that. Because right. My life, you know, it, my little job is a little bit boring. You know, it, it's an office job. It's not nothing, you know, it's nothing crazy. So I can kind of jump into another world and even like a Jersey Shore, you know, and you can watch them and say, oh, my God, this is crazy. You can say this is crazy, but you don't have to actually go and do it. You're kind of taking a peek inside somebody else's world that you, know, you would never do. You'd never be there. And it's totally harmless because, hey, you turn off, you turn the channel or you turn the TV off, and you're back to your normal life. So I think a lot of it is this kind of escapism that you know we all we all need. And some people do sports, and some people you know work out, and some people go and you know skydive or whatever. And some people like reality TV. It's it's just a um, it's a preference, and it's it's a fun diversion. Um, you know, some of us get a little bit too wrapped up in it and that's where you know some of the more negative comments that I get come from is when people get way too 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 invested in it and they almost think that they know these people but I recognize that I don't know these people personally and even if they do even if they do respond to me in a nice way or in a negative way I still don't know them so I try to just keep it in perspective that hey this is a show and we also have to understand that they film for months and months and months and we only see eight, ten, twelve episodes and a right. lot is cut out. And we don't always get the whole story. So it's easy for me to grade these people and say, Oh, you get an A, you get an F, whatever. But I mean I always keep it I always keep it with a sense of humor and that's pretty much why I call my blog humor and spice is because I am gonna hit you hard if, if you know, with my words if you did something that I don't like but I'm always going to have a sense of humor about it and, and right, you right. have to not take it as seriously because it is just entertainment after all. No, it, it is. I mean, some of it, it, some of it is just you know, like I work with youth and stuff in my church, and it just worries me when I see them or hear them talking about shows like The Jersey Shore, because of course they're seeing a lifestyle of people who are promiscuous and sleeping around and doing all kinds of Absolutely. you know things that that nobody should do. And of course, you know, 
parents, this is where parents come in, but a lot of times, you know, a lot of these kids don't have that, which is, you know, inner city kids, et cetera, et cetera, which is what I deal with on a, on a weekly basis. But so that type of stuff worries me, you know, and I know like the but you know, for the most part, they're not going to sit there and like go marry some dude and do something crazy and start. But again, a Jersey Shore type show that those are the types of shows that worry me. Um, but when you talk about TV in general, there's so many different things. You know, we have our usual entertainment reporter who comes. Just came up. comic book and action related. But there's two things I wanted to mention to you before you know, before I let you go and I, I close out the show here. One thing I've noticed, this extends mostly to movies, but I see this now also going on in TV shows specifically. Do you remember the show Boy Meets World? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I don't know if you've heard this or not. You probably have, but they're they're going to be doing a reboot of Boy Meets World. And, I did um, hear about that. Yeah, and I look at, you know, we actually had, uh, again, I don't know if you ever watched the show, but we had um, Mr. Turner who was uh, the teacher for, like, the first few seasons on the show, the cool biker guy. He was on the show uh, about a year, towards the beginning of the show, actually, almost two years ago when we first started. Uh, Anthony Tyler Quinn, and he was an awesome guest, and he's a great actor. Um, We had him on. It was was great having him on. Of course, we touched on Boy Meets World. Now, fast forward to here and now. I was actually watching it this morning. It was on ABC Family, I believe. But they're doing the reboot. You know, Corey and Topanga are married, and they have a, a teenage daughter, which is crazy. But, you know, it's been that long since the show was on the air. Um, but what do you what are your thoughts on something like that? I, I hate I know this isn't a reboot per se, it's more of like a two point but I've always hated with the way that Hollywood goes about and says, Well, you know, this is a great movie or this is a great show, so let's turn it into a movie, let's remake it instead of doing something original. Give me your take on that. I, I do agree with you there. I think um there has to be in in the fictional, you know, scripted world, there needs to be more original ideas and, and that's why I do try to seek out um you know scripted shows as well um there's there's not that many of them but, but you know what they are coming they are they are um making a little bit of a comeback especially with like grim some of the more um dramatic uh, scripted shows like vampire diaries and things like that but even then there's like themes that that repeat themselves but as far as a reboot i think it is a little bit lazy um and i think that you know viewers especially younger viewers at this show is going to be geared toward younger viewers. They do deserve a little bit better because I remember when when I was growing up, and I'm pretty sure you're a '90s kid as well. In the '90s, right. we had so many great scripted shows, sitcoms, and right. now there's not that many sitcoms. And the sitcoms that there are, some of them aren't really for kids. They, there is no TGIF anymore. There is no you know lineup that there was on a Friday night for kids that don't go out on a Friday night because they're too young. And and I wanted to go back a little bit to, to um, the Jersey Shore. I think that, that parents need to be super, super, super vigilant about these reality shows because um, they are not for children. <laughs> and right, I don't right. I don't want I don't want to give the impression that I think they're all great and that they're all uh for all ages because they're absolutely not. But I, I do wish that there would be more um you know original scripted sitcoms that we're more family-friendly. I think that would be awesome. But I think it's up to us, um, you know, us creative people um, to to push for that and to maybe go into that um, if we have that desire uh, to to go and, and maybe pitch some ideas someday. And I've always thought, you know, if, if I, you know, continue to write, um, you know, that could be something that I, that I would want to do is to write, you know, for 
for sitcoms or be a comedy writer or anything like that. So, you know, there's definitely a, a huge um, world out there that we could actually, you know, participate in and, and send our ideas in and, you know, make our voices heard as far as that's concerned. And obviously, you know, everything's kind of in a cycle, um, especially when it comes to pop culture. So sooner or later, this trend of reality TV, it's not going to go away per se, but it is going to subside. And, and I'm excited to see what comes next. I'm enjoying it for now, but I'm I'm excited to see any kind of art form that comes next. No, definitely. You know, but when you look at the the overall picture of, of TV and movies and entertainment in general, it's just bad. Music isn't what it used to be. Um, oh, TV no. is definitely not <laughs> what it used to be. Um, you know, I remember the 90s. I remember one of my all-time, probably my all-time favorite show, which is In Living Color. And when the time it came out, it was so groundbreaking, and it was such a crazy sketch comedy show. And, of course, you always had Saturday Night Live, because that show's been on the air since, you know, uh, pretty much since George uh, Washington was in office. But <laughs> when you look at In Living Color, and, again, I don't know if you remember that show, but it was so popular yeah, in the early 90s. I remember it was so amazing. It was only on the air for five seasons, but it was just so nuts. You had shows like uh, Married with Children and, you know, different yeah. shows that were so – uh, at the time, just different than what you see now. You've had a lot of imitators and a lot of people, and they've tried to make shows like that, but they don't make it anymore, so you're saturated and oversaturated with reality TV shows or quasi-reality TV shows, because, you know, most right. people don't act like that in real life. Like, I've seen the show Bridezilla's. Again, you know, my wife, wow. another show that she'll watch or will watch, and it's some of the stuff... It's so difficult to take. I think to myself, how do these men end up marrying these women because they're so awful and such, like, despicable human beings? But then you watch it, and you're just like, wow, you know, like, they're getting drunk, and they're cursing, and they're acting crazy, and just all types of wacky stuff. And I wonder how much of it is the real person and how much of it is for the camera. And that's the sad part is that a lot of people get lost in it. But, again, you know, you're flipping through the channels. You can find anything. You know, I remember yeah. seeing uh, Turtle Man over on, uh, I forget what channel that, that show's on. I don't know if it's Bravo or, or TLC or one of those show, one of those channels. And, you know, just crazy, like, uh, Pawn Stars. And then they have uh, Moonshiners. And, I mean, that I don't know if you've seen the commercials for that show. But, I, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't... It doesn't interest me, but those guys are awesome. You know, they're over there with their yeah. their country accents, and they're talking about making illegal alcohol in their basements, and you know, it's not illegal unless you get caught. And I mean, the, the commercials are entertaining, but it's just it's just such a mess when it comes to TV. So I'm hoping for some original ideas pretty soon. Yeah, me too. And and I'll be honest with you, I don't watch Bad Girls Club, which is another one that's pretty pretty bad, and I don't watch Bright Girls. I mean. <laughs> I have standards. I don't want you to. <laughs> I don't want you to think that I have no standards whatsoever. But there are certain shows that you know I'm just not going to waste my time on. Um, but you know, it it really does depend on the person, and and right. I think it really does depend on the person, and it depends on the show because I think sometimes sometimes you can find something redeeming about some of these shows, and it's up to the person to see if you know if if it interests you, then you know you are going to relate to somebody on that show. And like yeah. I said, sometimes you will find redeeming moments and sometimes you will find positive moments. But some of them, yeah. honestly, I think they are very, um, maybe not scripted, but they are very coached to do certain yeah. things. And right, right, and those shows usually you can tell right away that it's not genuine and it's not sincere. Um no. You know, the housewives, I think sometimes they, they do put them in certain situations and kind of just drop the bomb and walk away as far as producers are concerned. I will say that. 
but I think the reactions of the women and the relationships between the women are very sincere and very genuine, and right. it comes through. Because a lot of these housewives, they will be tweeting about the show as they're watching it and be saying, you know, I was thinking this at the time. Or if you read their blogs, they'll say, you know, I was thinking that at the time. And then when they go back and rehash at the reunion, that, those are real emotions. And if you're invested in them, then you then you are more apt to want to see how things play out. But if right, that's right. not your cup of tea, then definitely, um, you know, scripted TV. And, and you know what, I'm really excited about, all these great dramas that are coming out, like, you know, that have been around actually for a few years, like Mad Men and Breaking Bad, and, and really smart shows, you know, the, the whole um, the whole True Blood um, phenomenon and, and Walking Dead and, and all these different genres that are coming about now. There are, the great thing about it is now there's more options than maybe there were before. And so if you seek out the kind of shows that you like, sooner or later you're going to find something. It's 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 really varied. I, I I feel TV at least right now we have a lot of choices. And I think if if you have a lot of choices, you're going to find something that you enjoy for sure. No, that's true. And, again, if you like to watch people make illegal alcohol <laughs> in their bathtub, if you want to watch people make alcohol in their bathtubs or toilets, you can watch that. You can watch people going through, you know, garbage and picking that. You can watch people hoarding, you know. I remember I saw something online, a woman who, who had who had feces all over her house and hoarding and, like, just some woman eating hair, like, just all these, you know, crazy things that you see on television but you can always find something that you do like so amanda uh before i let you go t tell us again give us your website one more time and your twitter so that the folks can get a hold of you and you know check out your blog sure thank you so much it's um humor and spice all one word dot blogspot dot com is the blog and my twitter is humor and spice all one word and I just really want to thank you for having me on. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. No, thank you, and thank you for coming on. I'd love to have you back on when my co-host is on so we can go back and forth for a little bit and maybe something interesting or maybe we'll find something on TV that that we, we can talk about um, uh, to bring you back on. But thank you so much, Amanda. You have a wonderful evening. You too. Thank you. All right, take care. Folks, that was Amanda uh, Guerrero, or Guerrero for those of you on uh, Hispanically Challenged, and as I close out the show, I didn't expect to take so long with Amanda, but it was definitely worth it. It was a great chat that we had, and uh, although we may not see eye to eye when it comes to television or what, what we may watch, you know, for the most part, she mentioned having standards, uh, and it's interesting because television is just one of those things that you just, you got to find what you like and just kind of stick with it, and again, there's some things that I believe nobody should watch, and uh, children especially shouldn't be watching, but as a parent you have to kind of, you know, uh, take care of that. But I want to touch on the Giants real quick, switching back over to sports. There was a debacle this past Sunday. They lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers 24-20. to They're complete, and I've said this for weeks on end, but I'm going to touch on this quick. Their complete inability and, and just lack of passion to score in the red zone truly is going to, I believe, it's going to undermine their season. I think it's going to derail their season come the playoffs. And the fact that they cannot score, they cannot, they, they tend to solely rely on Eli and his fourth quarter magic. It wasn't there this week. They had a bunch of terrible downs. And, yes, you have to credit the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. They did a great job. But the Giants just weren't ineffective. They've done it up against much inferior teams and inferior defenses. So that's why I don't put too much stock in the, in the Steelers, uh, what they did. 
Of course, they did win, as it were, but the Giants have really just spit the bid when it comes to that. that They can like the 30-, 40-, 50-yard bombs, but when they get to the 20, it's like they get tired, they get lazy, they get sloppy, and now we can settle for a field goal. They they lost on Sunday because they settled for field goals. One touchdown, just one, in that red zone, and they win this game, and we're not having this conversation. And right now, you know, they would be 7-2 and two going to try to be 8-2 and two instead of 6-3, and three, going and, and, you know, needing to win. They have a bye week next week, so they have to win this week against the Bengals. Um, they should win this week against the Bengals, but we'll see where that goes. Because when they come back from that, when they come back from the bye week, folks, the Giants are going to be facing in this order the Green Bay Packers, the Washington Redskins again, the New Orleans Saints, the Atlanta Falcons, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Philadelphia Eagles. It's funny, as the last three uh, teams are all birds. But again, the Packers, Redskins, Saints, Falcons, Ravens, Eagles, that is going to be an extremely difficult way to end out the season. You have uh, you know, six tough teams there, and we'll, we'll have to see where that goes. But we do hope the Giants can go into the bye week at 7-3 and three as opposed to 6-4 and because that would be brutal. They do have a few games lead in their division because everybody lost this week, but uh, we'll, kind of, uh, we'll have to touch base on that and next week and see where that goes. Folks, I thank you so much for tuning in. I thank you so much for joining me. Um, thanks again to Amanda for, for being a part of the show. Got to thank uh, Brittany Brannon, Nikki Boyer, and Blanca Reyes, of course, for giving us their, their wonderful sound bites. Make sure to check us out next week, Wednesday, 6 p.m. to 7.30. We are going to have Miss New Jersey 2011 Briella Costa on. And the following week, back in Newark, we will have uh, Lisa Mateo from WPX. She'll be on talking about her new show, Tastemasters, so we're looking forward to that. But, folks, I bid you adieu. Four more years. Let's blame Bush. Have a wonderful evening, and make sure you tune in every week, folks. Woo! I got two words for you. Years old. You guys are awesome. See you next week, folks.